step back three. Drills it. Dock it and book it. For Ananobi. Fred cut off. Clock down. Pascal has responded with two big threes. Brooks gets it back. Entry pass to Tolliver and take it away. Pascal. Here's Kyle. Reverse oh, layup play. is good. What's up, everybody? It's Free Association on the Sportsnet Podcast Network. I'm JD Bunkus. He's Donovan Bennett. Our producer is Michael Myers, who today posted a shirtless Instagram story very close up, which I I was taking a little bit back by. I'm I'm a shirtless Instagram guy. Donovan, that's not really your move. Do you think that you will be joining the boys in the shirtless Instagram posts in 2020? No. <laughs> it's a, it's a solid no. I feel like you probably have the best body of the three of us, which makes it like, you know, a little bit odd. Michael's was jarring today. I was like, yo, what's up? Like Instagram story up close, Michael. That was a little aggressive, man. Little aggressive. Hey, man. Hey, man. I, I just got my mustache in. I'm feeling nice, shaved, everything Yeah, but that's off. the thing. You were like, clean. just just say what it is, which was it was a thirst trap. Like you had to try to make it about your mustache. Like last I checked, mustaches don't need, you know, no shirt to be in the situation here. That's a fair assessment, my friend, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> it's all good, man. Yeah, see, Donovan, you haven't had to participate in this. Like, it's just, you know, you're married. You're a married man. You're settled down. Uh, like, you, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be playing these games. Is, is that it, basically it? Are you shy? Like, what's happening? Well, nobody has, has to play in these games, <laughs> it's, for the record. Um, I mean, I, maybe you guys are being inspired by LeBron, who's just, you know. Yeah going to games with his shirt open um i'm i'm not sure uh but no i will the only uh shirtless photos on my ig will be of my young child uh, that's that's all that's all the skin you're gonna see no he's trendy like we get it here's the thing last year was hot girl summer this one's hot boy summer. People got the quarantine bodies on the go. People are kind of just showing off a little bit. Michael happens to be in that group. I feel like, tell me this. People either went into quarantine and changed their bodies one way or the other. Agree or disagree. Like nobody came out of this thing the 100%. same. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Exactly. Everybody is that Everybody did the one thing, which is either work out like crazy or... Yeah, just eat and not move. And listen, there's no judgment here. I was in team. I was on this like just hardcore smoothie tip, hardcore workout just every single day. I will tell you that right now it's starting to fade. It's, it's starting to fade. It's almost <laughs> like I can feel winter coming and I know that uh, I'm going to be wearing sweaters and not seeing anybody. And that's really starting to take its hold on me. Michael, are you the same? Donovan, like where are you guys at? The real question is how many times did you take your right thumb and gently push down on your IG to refresh to see how many people had liked or commented on the photo? Like you're you're doing it for for some some instant gratification, some clout, some likes, uh, some shares, or you're just doing it to show off said mustache. That's the real. It question. was straight oh, up the mustache, man. This is a straight <laughs> up mustache picture, all right? I I think yeah. I checked once, mm-hmm. and because my friend said you look just like your dad, and I said thank you. 
My dad's yeah. a ravishing, good-looking man. So the only hair people notice in that photo is on your chest, sir, and you know it, and you know it, and you know it, know it, know it. Uh, yeah, I, I listen. I know what you're doing, and you can say it's about the mustache. It's fine, but as <laughs> a, as a fellow trapper, again at JD Bunkus, uh, you know what it was about, <laughs> and, you were, and you were looking for. It's not about the number, because like the number is whatever. It's about the who. You know, the who likes the photo and the who sends yeah. the, the heart eyes emoji um, or sometimes the splash emoji if you're so lucky. So, yeah, it's it was it's been a good summer for that. It's been a good summer for that. I think I think upon splash emoji, that was kind of the time where we can move on to basketball. Do we agree? Hashtag say it with your chest. <laughs> Donovan is so mad. There's no way that he's not furious right now. It's just, oh, I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm just uh, yeah. excited to talk to the seven listeners that we have left. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, those seven listeners are thrilled that this conversation went down. Okay, so we're in the bubble. The Raptors are six games deep. They just finished a game against the Milwaukee Bucks where there was no Giannis Attentacumbo. There was no Serge Ibaka. There was no Kyle Lowry. There was no Fred Van Vliet. The games are starting to get pretty thin in terms of meaning. And quite frankly, I would argue that a lot of what we've seen is, is pretty thin on meaning. Let's just start there. Like, do you still think that there's anything to glean from these final two games outside of, of course, staying healthy? Is there anything that you want to see? Mm, no, not really. I mean, I yeah. think Matt Thomas and Slim Duck, Chris Boucher have like, nods themselves above Terrence Davis in the if Nick Nurse gets super bored and wants to get interesting with his lineups they might get a random eight minutes in a first half to see if they're hot but I think what we learned in the bubble is what we've seen over the course of the regular season and the reason why this team once again has won 50 games in an abbreviated season is Nick Nurse is going to play seven players. He's going to play his best seven players. He's going to play seven players that can do all of these things. Dribble, pass, shoot, defend. Multiple positions. And over the course of, of four quarters, his seven good players are going to have matchups against bench units that aren't very good. They're going to expose them, and then more times than not, they're going to win. That's basically the formula. And so until Matt Thomas... Chris Boucher, and I'll even throw Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in this conversation, until they prove that they can pass, dribble, shoot, defend multiple positions better than the other seven guys, they're probably not going to be a big part of the playoff rotation. And thus, anything that we see from them, including careers highs from Matt Thomas and Chris Boucher, is meaningless, no offense. So no, I'm not really uh, that interested in in the games. And I just want Marcus Gasol to remain healthy. I want Serge Ibaka to remain not playing and wearing pattern masks and, and Kyle Lowry to, to remain basically an assistant coach on the bench and him taking care of his back and Serge taking care of his knee. And I'd love for Marcus Gasol to not play, to take care of his hamstrings. So, no, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in these games because they're not even preseason games at this point. They're basically like summer league games with people who are older than the people who play in summer league. Yeah, I will just have a Mia culpa moment here. And that is my eyes were glazing over during that Bucks game. It's it's hard for me to concentrate on sports without meaning. And maybe that means uh, that's that's probably a really good thing just in terms of where we are in the state of sport, which is 
man, if you would have told me two months ago that we were going to get a meaningless Raptors Bucks game, I would have freaked out. And then I would have spent the entire day watching it. I would have been trying to like parse these takes out of it. Now I think we know it is what it is. And yeah, I think Matt Thomas, if he plays in the playoffs, it's going to be similar to the Jody Meeks role from a year ago, which is at the end of some quarters, maybe the end of a second quarter, the end of a first quarter, Nick Nurse is going to try to steal a couple of minutes for a bench guy and, and hope to design him a couple of shots, get him a couple of looks. That's pretty much it. Chris Boucher is only playing if there is some pretty serious foul trouble or an injury. And what I love about Chris Boucher is that I fluctuate between this guy should play more and how does this guy ever scored a one singular point in the NBA? <laughs> That's always the two extremes. I never like sit on, on dudes heads. That's how. Yeah, I guess. But it's just that there's other times, man, like he has a take in this game where he goes at Brooke Lopez. Actually, sorry. I think it was Robin Lopez and he tries to just take it to the basket on him and he floats away and shoots one up at the rim and it, it legitimately looks like the bad guy at your local gym, at your, your local run, who's tall and can't play. So, yeah, it's just, it's one of the two. It's either huge dunks on the head or, yeah, just um, very, very subpar offensive play. Uh, the defense usually does pop, but the rebounding is suspect. But, yeah, you're right. Those two guys on the fringes. I think Hollis Jefferson is the most important non-core seven guy that if you remember Nick Nurse's affinity for Pat McCaw, if you know that this team's identity is on the defensive end, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is going to get some of those minutes, again, especially if there's foul trouble to certain players. But yeah, you're right. This team goes as far as the seven players go, and none of those seven guys are playing any meaningful minutes right now, and it's over. So what we've seen so far then, like let's pivot into the six games prior, or including the Bucks, because I think that those ones are the only things that you can actually have takes from. And I think that we got a little excited the first podcast we did after the first few games just because we saw some things that we hadn't before. And the, the, the primary discussion centered around OG Ananobi and whether he had added something to his offensive arsenal and whether his ball handling had improved and what that would mean for the Toronto Raptors. And I will say that I am pumping the brakes a little bit on that narrative. Let me just read something to you. OG Ananobi in that first game had 23 points. Since then, he's had 35 points in five games. Again, the meaning is whatever. But we'd play Is This Anything on Good Show. OG Ananobi in three of those games does not have a field goal within the three-point line. And we know he can shoot with his feet set. We know that he's a, he's a competent three-point shooter. But the real thing was about whether or not he was going to be taking the ball inside a little bit more and showcasing ability around the rim. Three of these exhibition games or three of these regular season games, whatever the hell we're calling them right now, again, no field goals inside the three-point line. Donovan Bennett, is this anything? Um, I mean, I don't want to say it's nothing because mm-hmm. if he had 10 field goals, I would say that it is something. But I don't think it's worth sounding an alarm. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think it's actually somewhere in between. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. Yeah, I mean, I think the shot looks good. I think there's been some in and outs that have kind of been unfortunate. I mean, I, I think, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but these are kind of my core beliefs. I think the willingness to take the shot often is the most important thing. And at times he has had some Gasol syndrome where, you know, he's had a shot, the ball has been swung to him in rhythm and he makes an extra pass unnecessarily. 
and the the fact that his being more aggressive, even though the shot hasn't gone down, is like a small victory. But yeah, of course, like if if all of those shots were wet, then then we we would be having an entirely different conversation. But I'm I'm not worried, especially because offensively, not even to mention the stellar defense. Offensively, he's he's brought so much more uh, to the table that made him a, a plus on that side of the ball, which is not something that we could say, you know, two years ago. Yeah. I, I, like you said, I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle here that has OG and Obi's offensive skill set gotten better. Yes. I think that the, the ball handling is very clearly better. And there have been moments in some of these games where he's identified mismatches inside and he's attacked them. And that's really encouraging. But also the idea that OG Ananobi was going to unlock this other, dy- uh, uh, this other dimension of the Raptors' offense, I think, was probably a little bit... Uh, we were a little overexcited about the potential for that. Because here's the thing. The Raptors have shown in years past that they've had guys show up and all of a sudden they've unlocked that, that element. Oh, Pascal Siakam has done it year over year. Hell, we saw DeMar DeRozan do it year after year. And frankly, OG Ananobi, and you combine his talent his raw athleticism, his ability with the Raptors track record. And yeah, you can get a little excited about a 23 point game against the Lakers. It's just that, yeah, looking at this thing on a a whole, I I still don't think that OG is going to be one of the Raptors four most important offensive players, maybe not even five most offensive players. You said it on the last podcast. The thing about OG and Anobi is that he is your defensive ace, that he is one of the best defensive players in the NBA this team's identity is defensive. He might be the head of the snake. That is still the primary thing for him. That's what's most important for OG and Anobi. But yeah, I, it's, it is a little bit odd to see in games that don't have a lot of meaning where you can kind of work on stuff that OG has not been a little bit more aggressive and has not really been scoring inside or trying to take the ball inside. I would say that if, if you're not seeing it when there's no stakes it's hard for me to believe that OG is going to be a regular piece of, or that that part of his game is going to be a regular piece of the offense moving forward. I, mean, I think just like, you know, the fact that he's been able to play make for others a bit, that he's had some ideas of what he wanted to do before he's caught the ball on offense. I mean, sounds like I'm you know, speaking down to him, but it's a vast improvement to where he was in his first year. And, and I, I can't even really grade his second year because it was so up and down. And mm-hmm. in the playoffs, he really wasn't there. I am exclusively grading OG Ananobi on his ability to defend in this playoffs. Because when you look at their path to potentially getting to a championship and maybe even winning one, it's going to be vital. First round, he's going to see a heavy dose of Karis LeVert. Second round, depending on where the matchups go, he'll see either Tatum and Brown or potentially, um, if, if somehow the Sixers are there, he's, he'll see some Tobias Harris. Uh, certainly in the conference finals, he will see some some Giannis. If, if Miami like goes on a crazy run and makes some noise, he'll see some, some Jimmy Butler and, and some none and then in the finals he will like he did in his rookie year despite the fact that you know we heard about lebronto did a decent job he's gonna see a heavy dose of lebron james the entire path uh is going to week after week after week ask him to be dialed in defensively for long stretches against people who are professional scorers so so 
I am exclusively looking for him and grading him on how he does on, on that end. And I, crazy as it sounds for a third year player, he is by far their best man to man defender. Pascal does some great things um, zoned defensively, but because of his usage on offense, I think his one on one defense has slipped a little bit, but that's not the case for OG. And, and so that's basically. After every game, I'm not even really going to look at his offensive box score. I'm going to look at the offensive box score of the shooting guard or small forward on the other team that's the number one option on offense. So if we're moving on to the next thing that has been notable in the bubble so far through six games, and I don't mean to make these all like, you know, big suspect question marks for the Raptors because I think, again, for the most part, my bubble review would be a solid B+. They won the games they needed to. They came out of the gate, and they took care of business against the Lakers and the Heat. That took a lot of pressure off. They took care of business against the Magic. The game against Boston, they fall behind, and I don't think that there was a lot of urgency for them to try and prove anything against Boston. And sloppy win against Memphis, but again, they, they lock things up. And then, yeah, shorthanded Bucks team, but you still beat them. So hard to, to pick nits when it comes to a winning record. Hard to pick nits when... Fred has been scoring. Siakam has, has up, had an uptick recently. Norm has had an uptick recently. Clearly, they're just trying to keep uh, Marcus all healthy with his involvement. Kyle looked really, really sharp in the early goings, which is when it mattered the most. Like, there, there have been real positive signs. But if there is something, again, that has been more of a, a, a regular occurrence for the Raptors, it's been a really, really high turnover percentage. The Raptors in every single game in the bubble have had at least 15 or more turnovers. That's their low in the Lakers game, if you take the Lakers game out of it, which again, I think is their most dialed in performance, it's 21 against the Miami Heat. It's 25 against the Memphis Grizzlies. It's 17 against Orlando and Boston and Milwaukee. The turnovers have been extremely high. Again, is this anything? It's concerning because like this should theoretically be a strength given that the ball is often in the hands of two point guards who should mm-hmm. be a little bit more judicious with it. Like part of the benefit of playing such a small lineup with two guards is that you always have the guys who are, who are smart with it, who are making smart passes. So it is something because it, it's the first week is like, okay, like, oh yeah, we're, we're playing basketball for the first time in four months. And that this is going to be a byproduct, but it never really went away. And in some cases I want to say that it got worse. So it is because especially in the playoffs, every possession is so valuable. And to have empty possessions, specifically for a team where, like, let's be honest, their half-court offense is not very good. It's average at best. Uh, And and you're going into a scenario where you're playing, theoretically, better half-court defenses with the Bucs, if you get that far, that is certainly the case. And you're playing half-court defenses that are able to scout you and just you and all of your offensive sets and and the counters to those sets and game plan accordingly. So, yes, for those reasons, the turnovers for me is concerning, especially because it's just uncharacteristic. Yeah, I... I think it was weird that the lowest turnover game, sorry, was the, the most recent one against Milwaukee where there was no Fred and no Kyle and that the Raptors took care of the basketball much better with those two guys of the lineup, which made me feel like, okay, maybe this is better than I thought because you're removing these two guys and clearly they're your best two ball handlers. Um, 
I think that they're two of your best three decision makers. Like certainly it's Lowry and Gasol, and then you're, you're slotting Fred Van Vliet probably into the three hole there. So I'm trying to couch it. I'm trying not to overreact to it, but I do think that some of it is just, yeah, even for a team like the Raptors that has a lot of chemistry, there's still some undefined roles offensively, like you mentioned, that it's, it's still a slightly above average, but in terms of the playoffs, certainly below average offense that does need to rely on a multitude of different guys and that they aren't just this, this team that is going to rely on, hey, don't worry, we have this guy and he's going to be our bucket getter. We have the James Harden who is going to, have the ball in his hands, the Luka Doncic, who's going to have the ball in his hands on every possession, and that person is going to know where they're going with it as their first or their second out or where the cutter is going to be. That the Raptors is just, they're they're a far more complicated team. And this might be one of the byproducts that you see moving forward is that with less defined roles on offense, with more fluidity in terms of who is in control of whatever game and who is going hot versus who is going cold, some difference in some lineups that, yeah, you still might actually miss out on some of the things that have been purported as the Raptors' greatest strength, which is their chemistry. Like that the chemistry is very real. They obviously have it, but I still believe it's more of a defensive chemistry than it's an offensive one. And I I think that this team has kind of still been working out some of the kinks. Like, does that make sense? Makes total sense. And so this is a team uh, that in terms of defensive efficiency is second in the league. Part of the reason why it's an issue is because the team that they have to go through to win championship Milwaukee is first and mm-hmm. it's not even really that close of a margin. But I, I just sit there and I wonder because part of the issue with turnovers is they often lead to points. It, oddly enough against Boston where, where they had a bunch of bad ones, they didn't mm-hmm. uh, lead to points that often, but, but I digress. I look at their defense and how good they are, how long they are, how, you know, people are hunting matchups defensively. And one of the things is you, you face the Raptors and like, well, who are we hunting? Norm Powell? Like, really? Like, that's the person we're going to hunt? Uh, Kyle Lowry in the post? Like, okay, good luck. Uh, they're switching, they're communicating, and they're on a string. Uh, they, they gang rebound. And I'm just like, well, imagine if they didn't turn the ball over 15, 20, 25 times. How devastating their defense would be when it's always set when it's defending against a team that is taking the ball out of the basket and not um, going the other way and so in a way Nick Nurse has had some comments early in the bubble about how this team isn't close to their ceiling and you look at them like well you're, you're getting you know a career year from Serge career year from Fred a vintage Kyle Lowry year a career year for Pascal where's the room to grow to me that's where this team can grow it's like a small thing but you know those small things add up over time and it's like compound interest that they could be so much better um if if, and and it would obviously it would help their offense but it certainly would help their defense which doesn't really need help which is kind of scary in, in, in a sense yeah, the thing I'm most sure of is the Raptors are going to play great defense. Again, even in these sloppy games, even with these, with these ridiculous turnover games, the Raps have held three opponents in the bubble to under or, or, yeah, under 100 points. Like, that's three opponents under 100. And they've held two other games to 103 and 106. Again, bubble scoring is up 10 points per game. Raptors defense is going to be fine just fine. This is the... 
This is the not locked in version of the Raptors. The closest thing we saw them to being actually locked in was that Lakers game where there was real energy for them in the building and they held LA to 92 points and limited limited Davis to his worst night in the bubble and arguably his worst night of the entire season. Like that's what you can see when the Raps are dialed in and when they're hungry. And even when they're not, they're still way better than every other team in the bubble. Uh, at least for my money that I've seen so far when they're playing defense. And, and that includes the, the, the Bucks. That includes teams that were supposed to be built on defense like uh, Rudy Gobert's Utah Jazz that we had pegged to win, not we, but people had pegged to win the finals, that they were a dark horse and not the Raptors heading into this season, which is just kind of comical to look at now. But yeah, I, I believe in the defense. I just think that the offense, we, we don't have more clarity on it. And, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at just in terms of this bubble review. Again, to me, it's a B plus because you won games and your most important players look healthy and they look sharp. Fred Van Vliet looks like a, like a, a samurai sword. He looks like he's just ready to cut through anything. Everybody else looks pretty good. That's important. I would say Serge is, is at this point the biggest question mark in terms of, hey, what are you getting here? Because you looked amazing in the regular season. You were having a career year with the Raptors. And now you look like a man who's a little bit lost so far. But we'll, we'll see when we actually get into these meaningful games. The only other one is Marcus Gasol, who we spent a lot of time talking about the increased role, the increased role. And the most field goal attempts he's taken in a game was eight against the Orlando Magic, a team that he frankly dominates against. He has owned Nikolai Vucevic. I think that in Orlando, they... Like, I don't know if Marcus All knows that Vucevic has made an all-star team before. I, I really think he just looks at him as though, why are you even a starter? Because he eats his breakfast every single time they play. But that's it. It's an eight field goal attempt game. And then he's got ones with two, six, four, 0 for 5 against Milwaukee. It, it, he really hasn't showcased anything differently. Do you think that this is just, again, strategic by Nick Nurse and the Raptors of not over-utilizing the player, not wearing out the player, making sure he's as fresh as possible? Or do you expect that there's going to be more touches for Gasol as we move along and that he is still going to be a offensive fulcrum for this team? I think it's uh, PG, point Gasol. I think they're going to run a lot of stuff through Gasol, especially you know when he's playing with Kyle and, and, and Fred and running them off screens and allowing them to be a little bit more aggressive offensively in, in hunt shots, which I love the fact that, you know, it's something that you expect Kyle to do, especially when he's when he's got it going. But Fred has really come in with the scorer's mindset. So I, I do think um, Marcus Gasol's most important stat line, aside from maybe defensive rebounds, uh, will be um, assists. Because uh, the weight loss is not really meant an uptick in scoring it looked like a little bit more comfortable in the paint but not appreciably different um you know no one screams at the television for him to shoot threes more than me uh so i've, I've just kind of given up that fight but i do think they're going to be running the offense through him and, and making him a facilitator yeah it's, it's funny because they they have this flexibility you think okay i trust fred with the ball in his hands i trust kyle with the ball in his hands i trust siakam with the ball in his hands I certainly trust Norm Powell with the ball in his hands and, of course, Marc Gasol. And it just leads to still this thing where you have the plus side of, well, you have versatility. You have versatility and you have different options and you have different guys who can get hot, and that's important. But then it also leads to the other stuff, which is, yeah, when things get clogged up, 
when you need that basket, I still don't think that we have any clarity in terms of what this team is going to be relying on. It, it, is it still Kyle Lowry? The, the Siakam thing of we're going to give him all these late game reps during the regular season and we're going to win or lose with, with him taking these final shots. That thing, like that feels to me from watching bobble games as well, that again, if we're doing reviews, that's not as much a thing anymore. And it's been something I've been talking about with friends and, and even family members who are asking me questions about Siakam. Like, what do you think about Siakam? He said he didn't pick up a basketball in months. And are you worried about Siakam? I really don't feel as though he is the certified, that's who you're going to late in a ball game. He saved their asses in the game against Memphis where he just came up with a couple of clutch threes. But for the most part, he, he looks very... He looks very similar to what he did in the regular season. Of course, he can amp it up. But do you think that it's even a matter of this is Siakam's team anymore, that they're going to be leaning on Siakam in a way that we expected during some points in the regular season? Because I don't. I, I don't see that anymore. I think it's Kyle Lowry's team. I think Siakam is the most talented player on the team and you know, at times has the best matchup and contributes in the most spectacular ways. Um, but I've been maybe labeled as a Kyle Lowry hater um, because I wrote a uh, column in 2017 saying the team should trade. You wore his jersey at a media day game, though. Like, that never gets brought up. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, but he set the tone in the bubble uh, with his 33 points, 14 rebound game uh, to start. Um, and when we scrutinize this team we're like oh well who's the superstar well pascal might be that guy mip you know all-star starter um he, will he take the the jump or the leap how, how do how are we defining superstar someone that makes their team better okay someone who changes the culture of their team someone who when necessary will grab the game by by the neck and 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 dictate what happens someone who keeps yeah i don't think he makes accountable who the, I don't, the third part, I don't see him as. I don't Correct. see him as a guy. Yeah, which, is why, which is why I think like, all of those things describe Kyle. Yeah. And, and the willingness to, to take a, a big shot, the, the, he's proven to make a big shot, the willingness to live with the consequences if he misses a big shot, but also just the willingness to decide who's going to take the big shot and make the right basketball play. If, if, if you just took a photo of him, he doesn't look like a superstar and he doesn't fit the, the box that we have in our mind for people who are superstars, but he does a lot of superstar-y things. And, and so I think that for me, I, I'm not making an apology because I still believe in the methodology with which I said that the Raptors should have traded him, but he's proven all of my issues with him wrong. And yeah, I, I think the most important player uh, the, the guy who will dictate if they win or not is is Kyle Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think that the Raptors are very... The, the difference is, is that I would say the importance, like if you look at, say, a team like the Bucks and the importance of Giannis to the next guy is... You're talking about Everest to the the hill that's outside of your place here in Toronto, like where you go walk your dog. And the drop off from Kyle Lowry's importance to me to the next guy is not, it's, you know, it's not very steep. It's, it's a, it's a small plane. It's a, it's a step up that he is, this is still his team, but that again, that there are seven man group where 
I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't even know how to, how, how to properly put this still. And if it still doesn't even really make sense, but how, you know, is there a case to be made that the Raptors losing anybody from their seven man rotation is more important than another team losing anybody else just because they are relying on this win by committee approach. Like if you lose Norm Powell, that all of a sudden another team that loses, I want to exclude the Lakers from this because they just have no depth. So they could never lose a Kyle Kuzma. But let's say the, the Clippers lose Lou Williams. I think we both agree that Lou Williams is a better player, at least a better scorer than Norm Powell. But that Norm Powell is a far, far greater loss for the Raptors than the Clippers losing Lou Williams, who's a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Does that make sense? Again, yeah, I, 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 mean, I guess it depends who it is because the Sixers lost Ben Simmons. And Ben yeah. Simmons was oh, superstar superstars excluded because yeah, anybody who is a like bona fide all-star player, like Ben Simmons, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And like, I think the Sixers best player. Yes. Well then super, taking superstars off the table, like if the Celtics lost Tatum, Tatum. or Brown, mm-hmm. uh, then, then sure. Then yes. If it's just a, if, whoever the le- the league average seventh rotation player on is on every team who can afford to lose that person the most, it would, yeah, I, I think the Raptors can ill afford to lose that person because they're only playing seven people. Yeah. But just before we move on, I just want to tie a bow on the Lowry discussion. I really feel like, especially with this built-in rest going into the playoff and the fact that he really looked good and healthy and spry when he was playing in the, in the qualifier games, I really feel like he is on the verge of going off. Like, like just, just do a thought experiment. Who are the point guards? And really, the position doesn't matter because he plays with another point guard. He doesn't always have to guard another point guard. Another point guard's not always guarding him. But we know he takes these matchups personally. What are the other point guards that he's going to see in the playoffs on, on the way to a potential championship? Well, they're going to play Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving, not ro- walking through that door. Uh, he's he's lived in the head of Eric Bledsoe. I, I, in fact, I mean, you I'm tell sure. me who's on Brooklyn because, like, I I that's your team. <laughs> uh, as as they should be, but but Spencer Dinwiddie also not walking through that right. door. I'm I'm just saying, outside of Kemba Walker, who has one good knee, and I guess Goran Dragic, there there are no good point guards in the East, and and if they they face, let's say the Lakers in, in the finals. Mm-hmm. We'll see what Rondo's health is, but their point guard is LeBron James. Like they don't really have one. So I, I, I think this entire postseason is set up for Kyle Lowry to just go off and have a monster run. I think every team like matchups matter a lot. Matchups matter more than in years past because these teams are a lot more equal this year than they've been in years prior. Right. It was just the golden state warriors. And it's like, how do you match up against golden state? Well, you don't cause they're better than you. They have KD, they have Steph, they have clay, they have Draymond. You're it's game over before you even step into the building when they're healthy. Now, I, I don't know. I think that reasonably there are seven teams that I believe can win. That, that have a really good shot at winning. That's kind of where the cutoff line is for me, that there's seven teams that will win. And there's some that the Raptors just, I really like the matchup against. And now without Ben Simmons, you got to think every Raptors fan is rooting really, really hard for the Sixers. Because at one point, I did not like the matchup for them throughout the season. I just thought, okay, hey, here's the thing. This is chemistry versus star power. 
And history will tell you that star power is going to win out. And this isn't the NHL. This is the league where star power means more than anything else. And I'm sorry, but Kawhi Leonard bailed them out again in that series against Philly last year. I think even if they slow down Gasol, or sorry, they slow down Embiid the same way that the rest of the Sixers will take over. Now without Ben Simmons, I don't think that's the same thing. I think that that's a dysfunctional team that is not going to win. And if somehow they can upset the Celtics because Joel Embiid gets hot for a bunch of games, uh, that's huge. That's huge for the Toronto Raptors. Just like I think Miami is a really bad matchup for them where it's just two really tough teams and they're going to gut it out hard every single game. That Dragic always seems to perform well against the Raptors. That Bam Adebayo shuts down Pascal Siakam. And that Jimmy Butler is just one of those scary guys who's always killed the Raptors and can take over a game late. Like, to me, there's no question as to which one of those two teams that you would rather play right now. It's clearly the Philadelphia 76ers out of all those teams that you would want to face that would be coming out of here. And I kind of think the Lakers are that team out West where, yeah, the Raps match up pretty good against them because... LA has those two guys, maybe three if you include Kuzma, and then everybody else they have a pretty marked advantage against throughout that game. You mentioned the Sixers and star power, and I, I would actually push back on that. Like they don't really have that much star power. Like we think of the Sixers as healthy. this juggernaut. They've they've but even healthy, they've 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 you know sucked and and were in the lottery and stockpiled a thousand lottery picks and trust the process and and they've built and they're supposed to be much better, but they haven't been and they've underachieved. But but if they ever get it right, I don't know if they've underachieved. Like let's look at what they've lost. Just the backcourt scoring. Jimmy Butler gone. JJ Redick gone. Now Ben Simmons not playing the, the shake, shake Milton is supposed to evidently save their season. A 23 year old who like, what's the biggest game he played at SMU like Southern Methodist university is no, not yeah, known. It doesn't extend to the raw level. Basketball. I, I just mean like there are two guys at the top of the mountain are better. Like if you're looking at just, you know, pound for pound, top tier star power, there's nobody on the Raptors that comes close to Joel Embiid when Joel Embiid is doing what he does best. Like, you would agree with that. Yeah, but I think the Indiana Pacers, to me, are scarier of a matchup than Philly is. Wow. But we're talking without Ben Simmons now, right? Even with Ben Simmons. They, they, Whoa! They, they, they decided for the last eight games, they're going to take him from one position and make him another. Like They just mm-hmm. haven't proved to be a formidable opponent. They have uh, your boy in Al Horford, who is of aging superstar, but is not a superstar anymore. He's a role player. They have Tobias Harris, who, because he made, you know, efficient shots on bad teams for a long time, he's made a lot of money. And they have, like, two guys who are young and all-stars. But there's a long list of teams who have had two all-stars. That doesn't mean, that doesn't make them a super team. And so I, I don't really think... And, and and by the way, their two all-stars have never proven to be able to play together. So, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't fear... The Sixers, when you actually deconstruct their their roster, they're not really that scary anymore. Yeah, I I think that if the Sixers are healthy, that they're just a weird matchup for Toronto because they just don't have anybody who can match that stuff. And we saw what Joel Embiid can do when he takes away the paint from Pascal Siakam and from the Raptors. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with a lot of those points. I just think that, yeah, if you're talking about Sixers versus Celtics, I think the Celtics are going to be able to smash them for a lot of those same reasons. But they have way more perimeter scoring that is reliable with Tatum and still with Kemba Walker. 
It's just the Raptors, I I think if you get in a three-point shooting contest with Philly and then they've got Joel Embiid and they've got Ben Simmons healthy, that it's it's a scarier proposition for, for Toronto. They're just one of the teams that I didn't really like them to face. I liked I, I liked them still against the Boston Celtics because of their advantage inside. I don't... It's weird because I think that I would have taken that game against Boston and, and read a little bit into it had the Raptors won. And I'm trying to almost maybe do a defense mechanism thing where I'm like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Nick Nurse wasn't trying to showcase anything. Turnovers, Celtics got hot. But, but I still do believe that that is ultimately going to be a pretty good matchup for Toronto. It just comes down to, again, OG versus Tatum. If you If you can slow Jason Tatum down, I'll take my chances with the rest of the Celtics and I'll take the rest of my chances inside. We got some breaking news. Well, I mean, it's breaking to me. It might be already broken to you and sprained, but we should probably touch on it. The NBA is going to have an all seeding games team and a player of the seeding games award. Who cares? That exactly. But but like, no, I don't. I'm not saying that to you. I'm like, yeah. Why would the NBA do this? Like I because players. Kia is a sponsor and they need more things to put their name on. I don't I, I don't know. Um they they bungled the choice of not having the seeding games count in the normal NBA awards and now they're gonna make up with it with a separate awards just for the way people played in the seeding games. Like it's just to honor that Dame Willard and Devin Booker have been unconscious, like uh, unconscious. Like I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. A- anyways, th- there you go. I mean, the player of the tournament is definitely T.J. Warren because there's no other guy that's been called Bubble Player X. It's like Bubble T.J. Warren to me is is clearly uh, the guy, even though he just got bottled by by Jimmy. I yeah, the second half against the Heat wasn't wasn't so good, but but even still, to me, it's uh, how T.J. Warren. Whoa! How how, do you, how are you disrespecting the undefeated Phoenix Suns? Devin Booker gets in gets five fouls in the three first three quarters of every single game I've watched. So and like he's been red hot, but the Suns to me are. I don't want to say more about Aiton because Booker's been incredible, but I, I think that Aiton's progression in the bubble and just lo- all of a sudden looking like a a real piece and a real player in the league, like a, an impactful, I don't know, top 30-ish guy is the story of the Suns as much as it is, is about Devin Booker. Like the Pacers' only story was TJ Warren. And yeah, TJ Warren's the only guy that made me actually say, okay, well, I have to watch this game tonight because TJ Warren is seeing the rim the size of uh, the ocean. I, again, I need to, I would almost have to look at the numbers. The Phoenix deserves maybe a little bit more credit because they have been perfect and they've won these games. Uh, if there's, but if I'm talking about like all memorable bubble team, Gary Trent Jr., 100%, because he never misses a three. He hits, um, I'm going to say from all the games I've watched, eight a game. That if my life was on the line right now, I had to choose between Steph Curry and Gary Trent Jr., I would choose Gary Trent uh, without even hesitating. I would just say Gary Trent obviously would be him. Devin Booker for sure. Aiton for sure. Ooh, Doncic. Doncic looks really good. TJ Warren. And I kind of want to give some love to Fred Van Vliet because he's been the Raptors guy, but he certainly hasn't been one of the most like notable players from the bubble, like league wide, I don't think. But those would be those would be my leading candidates, those guys that I just mentioned right now. And then maybe Davis. You know what sucks for the Suns is even though that 
they've had an outstanding bubble performance. The lasting thought will be, you traded TJ Warren for yeah. cash considerations? Like, even when you're winning, you're still losing when you're the Suns. Yeah. yeah, it's not a good look for the Suns that they just gave away TJ Warren. It's not. Maybe the argument is that you freed things up for Book and you freed things up for Aiton. And, but, yeah, I think that that team could certainly still use him. Yeah, I don't know. Um, those would be, to me, the, the players of the bubble. Clearly, the teams of the bubble have been, um, yeah, the Suns and the Blazers. Like, I don't think anybody even comes close to those two teams. So, yeah, I would just pick guys off of those rosters. Dead last would be anyone on the Pelicans, most notably not Lonzo Ball. Did you see that tweet? Someone had a hilarious tweet. It's like, Lonzo Ball, they put all their stat lines out and quote tweeted it with, J. Cole could do this. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. I thought that was, the, if there was a tweet of the bubble, that was it for me. I really laughed at that. Um, yeah, I, I would say that the MVP team of the bubble, between the Blazers and the Suns, it's hard to argue with the Suns winning all their games, but they did have one against the Mavericks I watched where the Mavs gave it to them. Uh, who who do you have as just the team of the bubble? Is it the Suns or is it the is it the Blazers? I know which one is better, but like who's been more impressive? I mean, the Suns still might get into this plan, man. Oh, they're going um, to. Oh, I think this, they're definitely going to. You think they're going to get in over Portland, or you think no, no? I think they're going to be in the play-in with game with Portland. That those are the two teams. So you think that, Memphis falls out? Yes. Wow. Memphis plays. Well, we'll find out today. Memphis plays Boston. And I just think Memphis sucks. Like they lost Jaron Jackson Jr. to, which really is just a loss for M- NBA fans everywhere. But like they can't play defense and they don't look invested in this tournament. And they don't have anybody who's really stepped up for them. Jaw has been inconsistent. Jackson was their best player. Dylan Brooks, love you to death, Dylan. But you like, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone care less playing defense or who is like, if I was playing a team and I had to score on one guy in the NBA. I might choose Dylan Brooks. Like I might choose him and say, okay, this is, this is my pick. Uh, yeah. I, I like Brandon Clark is fine player, but really the Grizzlies have been like, I think if we're talking about who have been the most disappointing teams in the bubble, who has actually disappointed everyone? That's the Pelicans. Yes. But it's between those two. It's between those two teams. Memphis has been awful, man. Like, they've been a a real dreadful watch. Again, the Raptors tried to hand them that game yesterday uh, or two days ago, and they just couldn't do anything about it. Like they came close, couldn't get a stop, couldn't get get you one. That wasn't the Raptors self-inflicted turnovers. Yes, it's the Pelicans because of the Lonzo ball thing, because Zion wasn't in shape. And because frankly, a team that's supposed to be able to play some defense played absolutely none of it with plus defensive players. But Memphis is right behind them. Like Memphis was close. I, I was really disappointed in Memphis. I thought that they were going to show us something in this thing and they didn't. And it, it was surprising to me that a team like the Suns, who has had to scrap and claw to get up here is, is what I, is going to end up with what I think is a better record. Like I, right now to me, it's Suns Blazers and then the Grizzlies on the outside with the Spurs. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I would be surprised if the Grizzlies do drop, but I mean, they got the one that- game. Can you win one out game? Of, out of two. The, yeah. the matchup I want to see is Suns and Blazers. Like no Dame doubt. and Book just going back yep. and forth, shot for shot. Like that's that's what we all deserve. Um, but but we'll see. It's just so funny to me that the NBA basically constructed this whole thing 
for us to have this play-in series with Ja versus Zion and who then is going to be the heir apparent that plays LeBron in the first round and none of that is happening it's 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 the Suns who are basically there like as a rounding error to to make the, the amount of teams even so that we could play eight games and the Blazers who Dame Lillard basically threatened the league and said if I don't have a mathematical shot I'm not coming and and we're gonna hopefully get a play in between those two teams which will be amazing real quick boys where does these awards for the all seeding games team and player of the seeding games like where does this award rank in all-time meaningless awards to to, to receive you, where it's how, what's lower than zero like mega, lady bing one. when as whoever soon, wins the as lady soon as, I, <laughs> as soon as i get that that press release from NBA communications, it is an immediate delete. Like I'm not opening it. I'm not looking at it, whether it's on the phone or the Microsoft outlook, I could not care less. I know that's like a saying that we say, but it's actually factually correct. There is no way you could get me to care less about something. So if Donovan Bennett won that award, would it get up on your mantle? I would yeah. never know that I won it because I would have deleted the email. I would, I would not know. I would, the only way I would know is if, if they FedEx the award to my house. I'm like, huh, what's this? It's too small of a package. It's not the <laughs> monthly delivery of diapers. What did we get? Oh, Kia seating MVP. Thanks, Adam Silver. Had no idea. Dude, I uh, I think it would mean something to Warren. <laughs> I just do. I think that TJ Warren wants that <laughs> award, and he's gonna be pissed off if he doesn't get it. I think it means nothing to Damian Lillard. I think. I hope. God, I hope, hope, hope that Devin Booker it means nothing to him. Yeah, you know what though? I'm just thinking about it. it. Definitely, I would rather win the NBA Player of the Bubble Award than the Lady Bing because the Lady Bing Award is just basically you're the softest player in the league. Congrats. Here you go. You're so soft. You're so soft. We made this award for you. Uh, don't poke your fingers, your little dainty fingers on any of the sharp edges. We put it in bubble wrap for you. You baby Charmin soft person. Like Lady Bing is so embarrassing in a physical sport. I, I still can't believe it's a thing uh, that we have in this era. It's, it's so bad. But yeah, I wouldn't care about this award. I don't care about this award. I don't care who wins it. Uh, but yeah, my vote is still for for TJ Warren because I think that he has been synonymous with this thing and he's the guy that has exceeded his value more than anybody else. Um, all, all I was going to say on this, the last thing on the Suns is gotta suck to be a Suns fan though and have finally some positive momentum for your franchise. And you're like, oh, you know what? Aiden looks pretty good and Booker looks pretty good. And, you know, maybe if we just add another piece and we got Bridges and Sarge and uh, this is like, you can kind of see how this could all start to work out with another guy and could they attract someone Draymond Green's on TV going book isn't happy free booker <laughs> get him out of here maybe I'll try to recruit him I, I like that's got a sting that that had to hurt you know your one time as a Phoenix Suns fan since Steve Nash that you felt good about your team and Draymond Green just absolutely takes a massive shit all over it well and I mean Aiden like is being is like punished for missing a test when like literally the only thing you have to do is play basketball and go get a test every day i I, i'm actually and i'm i'm sorry that i forgot this and you know raptors fans who are still upset that they're were swept can revel in this Uh, the the worst team of the bubble has to be the washington wizards 
they they fell in the standings. Yeah, Charlotte but, actually gained on them yeah. because they've been so bad in <laughs> the ball. Come on, no. Come so, on, in fact, no. they had like, their they, two guys they, didn't come. Like no they, one expected them to win a, a moment. In hey, any of these that games. didn't that didn't stop Brooklyn, who actually improved on their record, even though all their guys didn't come. Like yeah, they Washington, Washington came to the bubble and somehow they tanked, and they're actually they're 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 their chances in terms of the lottery have improved. The Washington Wizards are the worst team of the bubble. They, they might be the worst team in, in, in the league if they were uh, allowed to play more games. Yeah, uh, worst it, is the, different than most disappointing to me, though. Like, I, that, like, the reason that the Pelicans are disappointing is because we had high hopes. Like you said, we were going, hey, we really want this Jaw versus Zion game, and we're not getting it. It really. How mad feel- are you if you are Michael Jordan and the Wizards, who, who then improve their odds... End up getting. No, they didn't. You can't improve it. your odds. That's that's a rule in the bubble. You can't improve your odds. That's the whole thing. The that you go there, and that's what even sucks for the Wizards is that they lost those games, and there's no benefit when it comes to the lottery. That they're frozen in the places that they were when they entered this thing. So even though they're tenth in the standings yep. for the lottery, they're going to be ninth. Yep. Or that's whichever way sense. that that makes sense is that like the, well Charlotte is Charlotte is now ninth in the standings. Yeah. And, no. And Charlotte now tenth. They're going to yeah. flip. Yep, Charlotte still has better lottery odds than Washington. That's part of the deal. That's so odd. Because then all those teams would have wanted to be there, right? They wanted to keep losing and and be like, yeah, no, this is the way that they signed off on this. That your reward was getting to play and get to be a part of the bubble and get to ch- chase a playoff spot. And the downside of that was that it froze your lottery odds so that you couldn't sink lower. It, you, you, it changes nothing for the other teams but yeah so like you're if you're a wizards fan you're not happy this is actually the worst case scenario for you although i will say and i think i mentioned it on a podcast already that i i watched one wizards game this entire time and thomas bryant is good like it's a good player you have one good player <laughs> to build around with bradley beal uh as you go for mediocrity next season with uh a rest of a team that basically looks like they were signed off of like G League roster or oh wow that guy still got a shot in the NBA huh good for him like I uh, I'm happy for you that that you're playing in the NBA that's what Washington is so yeah they're clearly the worst I just don't think uh, the most disappointing um we should probably get closer to wrapping this thing up is there anything that um you want to say about the Brooklyn Nets matchup just because next week we're gonna have our buddy Vivek Jacob on and he's gonna he's gonna set up the series you're on I guess vacation I don't know where you're going. Uh, what you're doing, but you're not here next week. So do you want to say anything about this series before it starts? Is there even anything to say? How am I going to preview it? Help me preview it because I don't know. Put some respect on Rory Hachimura's name. All right. The pride of Japan. He's, he's a nice player, very athletic and and, uh, someone you'd want to build a team around. Uh, The only thing I really want to say about this series and, and, um, speaking of putting respect on people's names, like the the Nets have been sneaky good in the restart, four and two, beat the Bucks, beat the Clippers. Now, mind you, those teams have been up and down, but still professional basketball teams. Uh, Lavert and and Joe Harris have had real good bubbles, averaging over twenty. They got four other guys averaging uh, double figures, so um, you know they they should get swept. But I expect every game to be relatively close remember the nets ended toronto's 15 game winning streak in february so they're they're unlike the wizards a professional basketball team uh the only my real thought about this series is like 
just look at where these franchises are relative to when the Raptors started this run of consecutive years in, in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lowry misses that shot, and there's that iconic shot of DeRozan consoling him while he's lying there on the ground, and the team, you know, being serenaded by fans sticking to cheer for them. And it, it sucked, um, but you kind of felt like, yeah, like, they're celebrating and Paul Pierce is losing his mind, but you, you guys should be much better and you're on the way out of the league and we're just starting to build something. And so now to see it come full circle where the Raptors are the franchise that are deemed the one that is the prototype that people are talking about them and they're giving them the championship DNA benefit of the doubt and the veteran savvy benefit of the doubt, something that you never would have gotten back in the early playoff years and the early playoff run. And the Nets are the team that are trying to build, trying to figure it out, trying to hopefully get to where the Raptors are. It's just, it hasn't really been that long, but the huge changes for both franchises and in, in, in the stable ownership and leadership of the Raptors and the change in ownership and leadership for the Nets, um, it just goes to show that, that the Raptors have done a lot of great work in a short time. It's kind of like when you're a kid, when in, you know, you're on that elementary school team or that age um, the age level team and, and you're playing the team that's a year up and you, you kind of take your licks, but you know, like, okay, we'll be back. Well, now the Raptors are that big brother and they get to beat up on the Nets who, whether it was them in Brooklyn or them, God knows before in New Jersey have been the, the site of some terrible Raptors playoff moments. And hopefully now it comes full circle and, and Raptors fans can take some solace in that. Yeah. I think Raptors fans should enjoy this because if the Nets get KD next season and he turns out to be old KD, then that's a wrap on beating Brooklyn in playoff series. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that there is something full circle about this, especially when you consider that it was Paul Pierce and it was KG and uh, Darren Williams, guys who are at the end of their careers, guys who are at the very, like, very close to the finish line. I think that that's the way that you would look at Kyle Lowry. That's the way that you would look at Marcus Saul the way that you would look at Serge Ibaka. We don't know what the future is going to hold for Fred Van Vliet. He's like, honestly, that's, it's one of the most under-discussed things is the potential for him to leave or what the Raptors would have to pay in order to keep him. But yeah, this Brooklyn team, I, whatever, they're what, four and two, you said? It's a pretty fraudulent four and two. They, they beat the Wizards, who again are awful. They beat a Bucks team that completely packed it in against them and had no interest in playing. It's one of the biggest upsets in NBA history, so good for them, I guess. Uh, they beat the Kings, and they beat a Clippers team who had also packed it in, and they were trying to lock up their spot. Um, I look at that team as I don't know what the hell they have that, that could possibly beat the Raptors or even frustrate the Raptors. Like Normally, there's like a formula. Normally, there's an outline here, but I, I, wanted, I wanted Brooklyn more than than the Orlando magic, like the Orlando magic are scared of me and they lost Jonathan Isaac. Like, I just don't see anything threatening about this team. I don't think that in a playoff series, you're going to be able to get Karis Levert, steal a game for you again. Maybe I'll eat these words and these, someone's going to play this in a, on a Brooklyn podcast. I, I just don't see it. I just think that they're really talent deficient and that this is still just a, a holdover year for, uh, for KD and, and Kyrie and, and the theater that that's going to be. Um, what are you going to do with your, your vacation? Is it staycation? Like, what's happening? I'm going uh, up north with the family. That's very beautiful. That's very beautiful. Up yeah, north. A trip that was, uh, was planned well before uh, Adam Silver decided. Oh, God. We were going to have basketball in the middle of the Of summer. course. 
No, of course, because what? You didn't think basketball was going to happen. And that's why you made a bet with me uh, that you still have not paid. <laughs> that you've still, you know, uh, what are we on now? When did the NBA come back, Michael? <laughs> it's still before the date. It's still before the date. I guess like we're it's August 11th. This was up until the 15th. So yeah, you were planning your vacations because you had no faith in the league. You had no faith in humanity uh, that they were going to be able to do this. And yeah, we're still ahead of August 15th. You know, we've had, I think what's now 12 days of basketball, 12 days of basketball, still no money in my account. And by the way, what happened with the last podcast? Did we post my email address or did we bleep it out? I bleeped it out. Okay, but somebody guessed because shout out to whoever it is that keeps booking me yoga appointments under the name Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> somebody, somebody has, hold on. I think I have one in my trash. Uh, <laughs> I get it every day now. I get confirmed and then unconfirmed and it's just like every day, Rodney, your congrats on your booking for this yoga appointment. And I, oh, I finally put it in my junk. So sorry, I, I'm not going to see the Rodney emails anymore. But And if they didn't know it got to you, now they know. Yeah. Rory. No, Rory. <laughs> they call me Rory. Your class has been booked. Two, Rory Gibson. And uh, Rory Gibson is me, I guess. And I keep getting bookings for inspire yoga which is actually in lethbridge alberta now i'm looking at it it's not even here so shout out hey. to the associate that lives in lethbridge or thought it was funny to do this in lethbridge and and crack the code on the email you were you were the one congratulations to you uh, i appreciate that that was i, I, I did you. laugh what i tried i tried to tell you <laughs> yeah it's funny though it was <laughs> worth it again the only email i'll be looking for is yours for my sweet, sweet $100 for watching NBA basketball, which I will gamble um, absolutely immediately on. I think I'm going to take, I, as I, I talk myself into this, I think I'm going to bet on the Grizzlies today against the Celtics. They got to play for something. You got the Bucks in the next game. That's no guarantee. Maybe they, throw the, maybe they throw everything at the wall and try to get this one. So yeah, 100 bucks says that the plus 147 Grizzlies win this basketball game today. How do we feel about uh, that? I'll uh, feel good about it. I, I will send your money as we get off. Uh, you're the one who claimed you didn't want your money. I will send No, I said I wouldn't want $1,000 from you. I said I wouldn't want 1000 A hundred? I'll gladly take $100 from you any day of the since, week. Since, since you've given your email out, I, I just hope young Rory or someone else doesn't, doesn't get in your email and, 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 and take that money before you do. Honestly, if you did this, if this is some just complete uh, an utter coincidence that this has happened. I have no idea how that could possibly be. But if you are the person behind Rory, uh, shoot me a tweet, shoot me a DM. You can get me on Twitter or on Instagram at JD Bunkus. Uh, Donovan Bennett. Uh, we'll catch you in two weeks. We'll catch you once there's actually playoff basketball. And uh, our producer, Michael Myers, who you can follow as well for more shirtless picks that he says are all about his mustache. Hey, um, with we'll the chest, you man. <laughs> yeah, we'll catch you next week. It's Reassociation on Sportsnet Podcast Network. Leave a review. Five stars.